Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's official storytelling podcast. It's a new year and a new semester, but before we jump into telling you new stories, we want to revisit some that we told you this past fall. On this week's episode, we'll update you on three of those stories. We'll take you back to the old well, the Carolina coast, and even to Mars. Well, kind of. This past August, first-year student Alex Longo shared his story about how he started working with NASA by submitting a suggestion for the Mars 2020 rover landing site on a whim. He was just 13 years old. Just before he started at Carolina in the fall, Alex was preparing to present at the final NASA workshop in Los Angeles in front of Mars scientists. He was arguing in defense of the Gusev crater as a landing site for the rover. There were actually more talks at this landing site workshop than I believe in any other one of these meetings in NASA's history. So many people were engaged and interested in what this rover was going to do. So the talks were structured into a first day where you just go through an overview of the mission and, in general, things you want to find, in particular discussing environments where ancient life could have survived and then could have been preserved because uh, Mars hasn't had water for the past three and a half billion years, and we want to make sure that the fossils we're looking for are actually going to be there. Alex was responsible for developing his own segment of his team's presentation. And once he arrived in Los Angeles, the team began to look at the presentation as a whole. We went through the presentations one by one. And what became very clear very quickly was that the presentation, which I had so lovingly refined, wasn't going to cut it. We wanted to make sure that our talks really meshed with each other instead of seeming like five different talks by five different people. Also, these guys have been working on Mars exploration for the past 20 or 30 years. They just know so much more about it than I do. So they were able to provide a lot of helpful feedback and constructive criticism that really eliminated potential problems in it that could have come up during the question and answer session. It was a late night for Alex and his team as they prepared to present the next day. Going into the afternoon where we were scheduled to present, I really had not gone over the new presentation at all. And I'm sitting there in the stands, in the audience, looking at the presentation on my computer. And I start to have a panic attack. I start thinking that there is no way I'm going to be able to uh, finish this other than stuttering my way to the finish line. (laughs) I was actually probably more nervous about this than I was about my first presentation. Steve goes first, he gives his presentation, and then he walks off the stage and he gives me a big high five. That was a a huge confidence booster. Uh, Then Matt Gollenbeck, uh, one of the co-chairs of the workshop, goes up and uh, gives an introduction. And uh, what Steve and Matt did, I think, really helped me feel that This is somewhere where I belong. These are people who are supporting me and who, although they're going to ask tough questions because it's a Mars landing site conference, they really really want me to succeed. From that point on, I just owned it. The workshop continued with more discussions among the researchers, and it continued for weeks after the workshop ended. 
While the Gusev Crater was not the ultimate selection, Alex continues to show his support to the community that was so welcoming to him. I think that being in an environment where people are supporting you really allows you to do your best. So I am uh, very thankful to everyone at the workshop for being willing to listen to me and for laughing at my jokes and for really accepting me as a member of their community. I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where you can learn as much and meet so many interesting people in just a span of a few days. I feel like I grow by a few months or a few years each time I go to one of these meetings, in a good way. In addition to heading to the final Mars 2020 workshop, this past fall also marked Alex's first semester at Carolina. It has been everything I could have possibly wished for. And yes, it's been a learning curve, but I am thankful to be in some very exciting classes with great teachers, and I feel like I've already learned a lot. One of the things that I appreciate most is just being able to step out early in the morning and walk across two or three miles of what really is some very beautiful forest and very beautiful scenery on my way to class. It's little things like that when you're in the middle of a big transition that really make the difference between whether you love it or hate it. I think just being able to appreciate the yellow leaves on the trees really can make your day if you choose so. Alex was in his first semester at Carolina, but we also introduced you to a few faculty members who have been at Carolina for many years. One of those was Hans Pearl, a water quality expert at the UNC Institute for Marine Sciences in Moorhead City. We talked to him immediately after Hurricane Florence rocked the Carolina coast in September. He told us about the unique destruction caused by that hurricane. The Keenan Professor of Marine and Environmental Sciences updated us on the status of Carolina's coast. The last time we talked to him, he was using a generator to charge his phone. Well, we're past that, thank goodness. We're still dealing with trees and trash and rubbish that uh, are still along the roads in some places in Carteret County. Uh, the landscape just around where I live has changed tremendously. We've probably lost about maybe a third of our uh, trees altogether from this event and they've all been big trees so the taller they were the easier they came down and that of course was because the winds persisted for a very long time because of the storm creeping along so slowly and you know the the, the Carteret County coast directly faced the the sort of upper part of the hurricane which is tends to be the most windy the northeastern part so we were particularly badly hit by the winds and they persisted for a long time. And then if you throw 20 inches of rain on top of all that, you're basically dealing with a soil that is sort of like jello. So any kind of substantial wind will uh, strongly impact trees. And of course, the bigger they are, the bigger target they are. So we had a lot of trees that either snapped or got uprooted. Uh, many of them 100 plus year old uh, tall pines all I can say is that the neighborhood looks very different from, from what it was even before. This latest hurricane season continues a trend that worries Hans and other researchers. Now, what we're seeing since the mid-90s is a much higher frequency of landfalls of uh, hurricanes in eastern North Carolina. And I might mention, 
in addition to hurricanes, also uh, nor'easters during the wintertime and other severe storms that might not meet the hurricane standard, but nevertheless, they, they're also sort of part of this increased frequency of storm events that we're seeing in our coastal zone. So, you know, there are sort of two issues there. One is uh, dealing with the immediate aftermath, but the other problem is that, you know, we're, we're sort of facing a situation where as we and our ecosystems are recovering from a storm event, another one might hit. So there's this sort of instability that seems to be uh, establishing itself in our coastal ecosystems where they're still recovering from a uh, prior hurricane and then they're hit by another one. And, and what I mean by that is, for example, uh, water quality issues in uh, our estuarine and sound systems. You know, for example, after Hurricane Floyd, it took about five to six years or so for the crab fishing and bottom dwelling fisheries such as oysters, clams, etc., to really recover from that event. So if you can imagine another hurricane or a storm, major storm hitting within that five to six year window, we're sort of seeing this uh, perpetual instability in the system. So, you know, one thing we're concerned about is what will this lead to in the long term? Are we going to be facing with our with dwindling resources because the system can't recover fast enough before a new one hits. And of course that would impact fisheries, but it would also impact lots of other things like recreational use of these waters, food safety, contamination issues, all sorts of things that impact our habitat. Uh, and this is something that we're really focusing in on now, this sort of new normal of an increased frequency in these storm events, but also increased intensity of these storm events. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I've lived here 40 years now. The first 20 years of that, I don't even recall a uh, serious landfall of a hurricane. And then since the mid-90s, it seems to be essentially one to two events a year, maybe skipping one year here and there, but certainly the intensity has increased. And we are now looking at the uh, long-term data set from the USGS on uh, hurricane impacts and flood events that are occurring. And we're seeing uh, definitely a rise in these uh, freshwater flooding events that are occurring with the uh, major storm. So we're into a new normal, uh, lots of issues and questions that uh, need to be addressed. Uh, not the least of which is, you know, how serious is it impacting our coastal habitats? Hans and other Carolina researchers will be trying to answer those questions but he says all North Carolinians should be paying attention. You know, we're at the forefront here in North Carolina in terms of uh, climate change issues, not only in terms of hurricanes uh, and, 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 you know, the items we've talked about, this increased intensity and more rainfall, but also sea level rise. And, you know, these things are sort of synergistic. Uh, you know, we're dealing with higher sea levels here. And then, you know, we're superimposing a higher frequency of storm events and flood events. So, you know, things are changing quite rapidly, and we should be prepared for that and not be surprised if we see follow-up events uh, on, you know, two to five-year intervals or maybe even shorter. You know, I'm personally hoping that it's not true because I live here and uh, enjoy the great environment that we have here at the Coastal Zone, but, you know, uh, the reality is that we are seeing more of these events, and uh, there's certainly evidence for sea level rise. 
On the first day of classes this past fall, Senior Taylor Franklin waited in line to take a sip from the old well. Tradition says that if you take a sip from the old well, you'll get a 4.0. Taylor says it works a little differently in practice. Well, whenever you interviewed me at the start of the semester, I was pretty confident I'd at least make the dean's list. That's been my experience drinking from the old well before, and it is looking like that's going to work out again this semester. Taylor says there's more to the tradition than just its promise of perfect performance. I do believe in the tradition. I believe that it's something that unites Tar Heels, and it kind of makes you hold good on that promise that you made to yourself at the start of the semester because you start the semester with so much hope. You know, like, I'm going to do it. This is going to be a great semester. And then as finals come around, you can kind of lose your spirit and begin to be defeated by the looming monster that is the end of the semester. But you just have to remember that you can do it, and you made that commitment to yourself and to the university to commit to try your best. And maybe you don't get a 4.0, or maybe you don't make the dean's list, but you tried your best, and whatever that looks like for you, it's still the best you could do. In her final semester at Carolina, Taylor will be out there at the Old Well again on the first day of classes in the spring. I definitely will be out there on January 9th. Um, I have a photo from every semester thus far, and I hope to get one for the beginning of my last semester as well. I can't imagine a first day of classes here without going to the old well. If you missed any of those episodes from this past fall semester, don't worry. You can find Well Said wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a story idea for Well Said, or would like to just let us know what you think of the show, please send an email to wellsaid at unc.edu or tweet us at unc. Thanks for listening to this episode of Well Said. See you next week.